Hey everybody, did you hear that new music? Uh, I just decided to change it because the old stuff kind of sounded a bit too country-like and uh, I just thought it was time for a change. I'm not really a fan of country and it's it's been a few episodes now. I don't know. I don't know when I put that on there, but let's say it's, it's been like at least 20 or some odd episodes. So uh, I figured now is a good time to change that. Anyway. Welcome to Reese's Peace. This is episode 42. It is June 16th. It's about 4.30 p.m. here in Denver time. Just got back from walking the dog. It's hot as hell outside. It has been, I mentioned this last podcast, I think, which has been about two weeks ago now. It's hot, man. Um, It's triple digits today, 102 or so. It's kind of hard to tell. I got a bunch of different things telling me different numbers, but... Um, so right around 100 yesterday and today for the high. So hot. So hot, man. It's, it's it's so hot. Let me tell you how hot it is. It's so hot that the air conditioning can't keep up. So yesterday, uh, I have the air conditioning set to keep the inside of the house no warmer than 80 degrees. Yesterday and Monday, so it's, it's Wednesday if I didn't mention that, um... Yesterday and Monday, the house got up to like 84 degrees and the air conditioning, at least on the ground floor, just could not keep up. Uh, so I I had actually expressed concern about this to our like home warranty person a while back since we have a, a new build home. And, um, and last summer we noticed it, which was within like, I don't know, three months, four, well, let's say like five months of moving in. We hit the summertime temperatures and, and the air conditioning wasn't keeping up like that. And, um, you know, it, it, it'd get hotter inside than it was supposed to get to. And um, looking through the manual, uh, it actually turned out that um, the air conditioning units that are installed in houses and residences in, in Colorado or Denver area, maybe it was specific to Denver area, are only meant to compete with temperatures up to like 90 degrees or 95 degrees or something like that so anything above that uh it's kind of maxing them out and uh so that was really interesting to find that out but uh, i guess good to know that our brand new air conditioning unit is not like shitty but what also helps uh in case this (laughs) this wasn't obvious already is if you uh clean the filters or replace the filters so i did that yesterday I think it had been a couple of months since I had done it. I, I have been trying to do that like at least every two months. I think that one had gone on maybe three months, two and a half months or so, because I usually change it around the first of the month. And today it actually seems to be keeping up. Like the air conditioning, I mean, it's just as hot today as it was yesterday, but um, the house indoor thermostat still says it's 80 degrees in here. So, um, you know, this is like the hottest time of the day. So, I wonder if that wasn't it, just because uh, the so we have two furnace slash air conditioning units in the house, and um, uh, I believe that's the case. Let me think about that, because I know we have two furnaces, so we have two locations in the house where I change filters. So let's 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 go with that. So I have two locations in the house where I change filters. I have, and we have a thermostat downstairs and a thermostat upstairs. 
Uh, and when I say downstairs, I mean like ground floor, not basement. So um, the thermostat for the ground floor um, controls the temperature on the ground floor and in the basement, and the thermostat upstairs just controls the upstairs. So um, I change filters in both, and uh, surprisingly, the downstairs one is the one that seems to struggle keeping up. Uh, upstairs one doesn't seem to struggle that much. But anyway, today it, it seems to be okay. Um, yeah, it seems to be keeping up. So again, let me let me just uh, indicate to you how hot it is. So I walk the dog, and I always walk the dog after I get done with work at about 4 o'clock. And so it's like the hottest time of the day. So I've been hosing off the dog before we start our walk. And then by the time we get back to the house... Uh, she, she hardly pants at all, like, like, you know, cause that's like her only way to keep cool is by panting, right? Cause they don't, dogs don't sweat. And, uh, by about the two thirds mark, then she starts panting and she's, by the time we get back to the house, she's almost completely dry. And then I usually go on my bike ride, which again, heat of the day, worst time to do anything. And, and the air quality is apparently really shitty right now, um, according to my weather app. So that's not great, but. I still go outside and do my activities, um, so I guess I probably shouldn't do that. But anyway, so when I when I put all my stuff on, because uh, I, I put on like a long sleeve, uh, breathable shirt, and then like leggings type thing because you know I'm a pasty mofo, so uh, I am going to be I'm going to be prone to getting skin cancer at really any point in my life from now on. So uh, I try to cover up best I can. So I, I, I dress up and all this stuff when I go bike riding, no matter what the temperature is outside. And so these days I've been going outside to the hose, the same hose that I wet the dog with, and soaking myself before I go on my bike ride. And by the time I get back, I am, like, well before I'm back, I am dry. So it's like a nine-mile bike ride, and by the time I get back, I'm dry. So it's, uh, it's pretty damn hot, and it's dry outside, so wicks away all of all of the moisture from my soaking clothes and all that stuff but it actually makes for a really nice ride at the beginning uh which is which is really good because riding riding is it can be hard enough um especially when the air quality is bad although i don't really notice that actively but it can be hard enough without the heat something about the heat just seems to make everything harder even like riding dirt bikes is harder when it's hot um and I, I have hypothesized that the reason that is, is that um, the, the, the air is less dense. So you're actually getting less oxygen with every breath. And so, um, I mean, it makes sense from a, like a, a fuel mixture, uh, like air fuel mixture perspective. Like when it gets hot, you, uh, you need less fuel, uh, right? So you'd have to adjust your carburetor because you have... Your, your air is less dense when it's hot, so you need less fuel to go in there to mix with it, right? So I'd imagine it's kind of the same thing with, with people. So anyway, that's, that's just my hypothesis with that. My, my neighbor was telling me that, um, you know, like I said, I, I keep my thermostats at 80 degrees. My neighbor was telling me, uh, he, said, he said, guess what the recommended thermostat setting is to basically keep, keep power consumption down and... and um, try not to overheat or overuse your air conditioning unit. And so for me, I was thinking, you know, I was air on the side of conservative. That's why I set it at 80 degrees. I air on the side of, 
you know, hotter to, to reduce the workload on the machine. And so my response was like, I said, I don't know, maybe 83. And he said, 78. He was probably looking at me like, what, what kind of tropical land do you come from? Well, I don't like the heat, man. I really don't. It, uh, sucks it all, sucks all my energy out of me. It's, it's crazy. Um, and, and so one thing that I'll mention now, but I'll get back to you and finish the story is that when it's hot like this, I feel like I put on weight more. And so we'll circle back to that. So anyway, so he was saying that, uh, the, the recommended thermostat setting was 78 degrees. And he was saying that his wife likes to keep it at 68 in the house. I don't even know how his, his air comp air conditioning system can even keep up with that like it's it's 68 when i wake up in the morning like at 4 a.m 5 a.m in the morning it's 68 degrees so his air conditioning unit must be running all day long just non-stop that is insane that is just insane so uh anyway let's let's just dive into it before i forget about the gain in weight so i i, I record my weight pretty regularly you know i step on the scale in the morning at the same time every day and then I generally record that, although I am bad. If I go several days at a stretch where I'm starting to gain weight and I'm not very happy about it, I won't record it. So that's that's not ideal. I really should record it every day no matter what. Sometimes I forget. Uh, other times I weigh myself and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not writing that down. But uh, anyway, in the summertime, it does seem like I put on weight. And so let me, let me give you my hypothesis with that. So my my thought my hypothesis as to why i gain weight more readily in the summertime than in the winter time has to do with the temperature again so like in the winter time when it's when it's cold and and periods of the day are cold i'm expending more energy trying to keep myself warm and so i'm burning more calories throughout the day because my my activity level and my calor caloric intake doesn't really change all that much throughout the year like if anything i even am less active in the winter so that's that's the biggest thing that i can see going on there is is that and that uh you know that actually burns a lot more calories than i think and so i have to either adjust my um caloric intake or adjust my calories burned right so my activity level uh, and so that's kind of what I've been doing uh, lately, actually. So since last week, I didn't record a podcast. I'll catch you up. Um, last week, I decided I was going to start running. And so one of the, or, let's see, I had two motivations there. The first motivation to start running was uh, weight loss. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down several rabbit holes here, but I'm going to come back to this. So um I'm in this trim it to win it challenge at work. So at work, you get what are called wellness points. And if you get so many wellness points, you essentially can uh, redeem that for cash at the end of the year. And so the way that you get wellness points is like, say you get 10,000 steps for 10 days in a month, or you do 12 gym workouts. And, and so one of the ways, another one of the ways is you do this trim it to win it challenge, which is like a two month long uh, weight loss challenge where um, if you lose at least five pounds, uh, assuming that you are overweight to start with, uh, you lose at least five pounds, you get 20 points, which is pretty significant since like the max amount of points um, that that you need to get to to be at the highest payout level is like 150 points. So 20 makes a big difference. So anyway, I wanted to get this thing done and I started out 
you know, I gorged myself before I did my weigh-in uh, and, uh, you know, trying to, like, game the system a little bit. And I, I weighed in at, like, 183 and some change, maybe, I think, uh, 183.2 or something. And, and so normally I have a run around 180. So I was up, you know, I was up a, a couple of pounds, you know, from the previous day or whatever. And so I thought, you know, I was doing myself a favor and I'm going to game the system and I'm going to get it. And uh, over the course of the last two months, the weather got hot and I have just been putting on the pounds and not been able to shed them. And I, I don't know what it is that's causing that. I, I couldn't figure it out. You know, the pounds just kept coming on. And so, um, I don't know, I turned, I turned 30. And so my, my first thought was like, oh man, maybe just as soon as I turn 30, my metabolism just takes a dump. And like, that is ridiculous. So uh, kind of ruled that out, but um, as I get older, I do need to be mindful of that. So anyway, that's that's kind of one of my another one of my motivations. Uh, well, the motivation for weight loss really um, is that wellness challenge, and then I just want to lose weight anyway because I would like to reduce, say, my body fat percentage. I, I hold a lot of body fat in my butt and my legs, uh, and obviously like my stomach. And so I would like to see that go away just, uh, you know, for aesthetic reasons and for health reasons. I mean, I don't really, I guess for health reasons, not really a consideration, but for aesthetic reasons, I would like to be a little lighter and, and, uh, you know, maybe it'd give me more energy being lighter and, and, uh, I'd, I'd perform better on my dirt bike, which is also a big consideration of mine. So, um, yeah, so I'm doing that. So anyway, um, that was, those are like weight loss was one of the reasons why I started running. And so the other reason is, um, I have been working through for like the last 10 months or so, some knee pain that's just will not go away. And so it's, it's not consistent. Uh, you know, it doesn't hurt me all the time, but it's, it's my left knee, uh, most predominantly, although sometimes I do feel it in both. And it comes about when I'm riding dirt bikes. And I did notice that it, the knee pain seems to be most prevalent when I'm on higher speed stuff um, where I'm, I'm, my knees are kind of locked against the bike and they only bend forward and backward. Whereas like if I'm riding really technical terrain and going kind of slow where I'm kind of riding like um, uh, bow-legged, with, you know, allowing the bike to move between my knees and, and, and having my knees kind of bent out. I don't have any knee pain whatsoever, but it, it's almost without fail that I've noticed now that once, once I get out of the slow sections of riding and get into the faster sections of riding, which, um, tends to be at the end of the day for whatever reason, uh, then my knees start to hurt. And so this last weekend when I went on the ride, um, I made a point of at break intervals, uh, where I was taking a breather anyway, I would, um, I would get off and stretch. And so I would like stretch my quads, you know, pull my knees up, uh, or sorry, pull, pull my leg up behind me so that I stretch my quad, uh, and then kind of get down in like a squat position with my, my butt on my heels essentially to, to stretch my knees and then also like put, you know, lift my leg up onto a rock or something and touch my toe, uh, one leg at a time and like really like lift my kneecap, you know, how you can lock your kneecap when you, uh, like hyperextend your knee. Cause that's one of the like physical therapy type exercises that was on the, the sheet that the doctor gave me back in September of last year. 
Um, so anyway, this, this, this running endeavor was like one of the next things, the last things on my list that I could think of to, to try and alleviate this pain short of stretching when the pain starts to happen. Uh, and so, um, I started slow because I actually heard from a friend of mine that, you know, if you don't run very often, then, then you should probably start with like kind of a, um, like an interval type training where you do like, say, like for me, I decided I was going to start with one minute of running, then two minutes of walking, then one minute of running and so on. Uh, and so I'll do like, I don't know, I think it ends up being like four cycles of that. Uh, so about a mile and a quarter or a little more than that, uh, just to start with. And so I started doing that in the morning last week and I did, I started on Tuesday and what did I end up doing? I think I ended up doing it only two days in a row. So I did it Tuesday, Wednesday, and um, Thursday. I didn't do it for whatever reason, and I was pretty sore by that point in time. And and um, oddly enough, the point that was sorest on me, you know, my muscles are all in pretty good shape, but I was concerned about the impact on my knees, and I wanted to build up to that, so I didn't want to do too much running at one time. But I don't feel it at all in my knees, or at least I can't really detect it um, any more pain than, than normal random pain throughout the day or whatever. Um, but there's like a, um, I don't know, like a pain on the inside not really a pain, but just a soreness, uh, on the insides of my thighs that, uh, was the most prevalent. That's the thing that apparently I don't use as much with any of the other exercises that I do. So that's the thing that I noticed most. So, uh, last week, I did two days of that, two days in a row, and by the third day, I was I was feeling it pretty good, so I elected not to do it, and then I didn't want to do it on Friday because that's the day before a ride, and uh, I always like to be fresh for a ride because that's the mo most important thing for me to be fit for is riding, so I never want to mess that up. I never want to be sore coming into a ride because um, that's my highest priority is to enjoy that, and I really do. Um, so I got two days in last week, and so far this week, I started on Monday, so I did Monday, Tuesday. I figured I would today take today off, so today's Wednesday, and then hit it again tomorrow, so that would be three days this week of the same minute running, two-minute walking, minute running, and so on. Um, and so tomorrow, I'm going to hit it again in the morning, and that'll be you know three days for this week, and then next week, I'll probably end up doing four days straight, something like that. Um, and then once I get to four days straight, I'm hoping that I can, I can bump up the actual amount of time that I run before I walk. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my plan is, is to hopefully strengthen some muscles in places that are, uh, are maybe weak and causing this knee pain by, by running. Cause it's something that I don't do, you know, I haven't done in a very long time. Last time I did it, I, I was just doing it on a treadmill in the gym uh, and that was quite a while ago. So, um, yeah, getting back into that. Um, and so because of that, they gave me a good excuse to like buy some shoes. And so, uh, I actually, I've noticed this about myself. I really like shoes. Um, and so right now I have, I'm looking over at the shoe rack. that's just over to the left of me. I have like actively right now three good pairs of shoes and it granted it's really hard for me to find shoes that i like and that fit me well and that are comfortable to walk around in um so i found that ultra and topo 
those are the two brands that have the wide foot box in the area that my feet are wide because it's just a, a standard wide foot box doesn't always do it. Um, so anyway, I've got uh, two pairs of ultras, different versions, uh, one that's kind of cushy for like concrete walking and ones that that's uh, more like a trail running shoe that's that's they say it's waterproof but it's bullshit because i walked in the wet grass and my socks were wet afterward uh and then i got a pair of topos that look kind of like um low rise hiking shoes type of situation and they're all very comfortable and then not to mention i've got like my old pair of ultras that i use as my cycling shoes that i kind of wore out um and then uh some old merrells that are surprisingly um or maybe unsurprisingly the best water resistant shoes that i have that are like a leather outsole or out outer shell um you know with some padding on the inside but they're they're terribly uncomfortable to walk around and i just use them as like my working outside shoes so um so that's just five pairs of just kind of like walking around shoes granted two of those are super old and three of them are, are like my active shoes um, but I decided, you know, I've been running in, in the waterproof, uh, ultras that I got, um, just because they're more trail oriented and I've been running on the dirt. That's another thing that I've been like easing into as I run on the dirt. Um, and maybe I'll work up to running on the concrete later, but, uh, uh, so this, this gave me an excuse to look into some other shoes. And, um, so I started looking into like those Vibram five finger shoes, you know, those, those toe shoes, that are, you know, I always thought that those are really neat. And even though they look kind of silly on people when they're wearing them, I always thought that that was just really cool. Like, uh, you know, what, what's, I always like to be as natural as possible. And like, what's more natural than basically just having a skin on your bare feet, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of reductive to say that that's what vibrant five fingers do, but some of them do. Some of them are just like a, a very base level skin, but so these things are actually pretty cool. You know, I looked into them and, and they're pricey and I heard, you know, I've heard Joe Rogan say that, you know, that's what he does for trail running and, and things like that. So, um, he, he, he talked about how, you know, it's strength. He, he was surprised at how weak his feet were because when you wear regular shoes, even if you're wearing like minimalist low drop shoes, meaning like your heel and your the ball of your feet are relatively the same height rather than your heel being higher. Um, when, when you're wearing like low drop shoes, um, you know, it's a whole different experience. And then when you, when you go to something more like this barefoot running style where you have just these, uh, these five finger shoes that are pretty malleable and, and doesn't, doesn't have a whole lot of a sole, then you really find out the muscles in your feet that are not very strong. And so, I, something about that appeals to me for one thing i just i just think they're cool i like the idea of being natural and so i've been wearing minimalist shoes for working out for a long time uh probably about six years now uh i've been using those same workout shoes maybe seven years so um if if the shoes that i bought don't work out for running i might you know they might get demoted to uh, workout shoes which is fine um, so anyway, I was, I was looking into the Vibram shoes. I, I, I couldn't find any place to try them on locally. It didn't seem like anybody had them in stock. Uh, REI didn't even really, didn't have them in stock. Um, Dick's Sporting Goods, I think it looked like it might, but they're pretty far away. 
and uh, maybe Big Five looked like they made it have like one version of it, so I, I ultimately ended up just passing. And uh, so that's um, that was kind of shitty. So what I ended up doing was uh, I, I found, you know, I'm usually like right now I'm like 11 and a half in most shoes, you know, a 12 if, if it's kind of a narrow shoe and I need the extra width. So I'll get the, the slightly longer shoe, which gives me slightly more width as well. Um, so generally I'm like 11 and a half. So I found, you know, on Amazon, unfortunately, I'm trying not to buy from Amazon and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure why, but I would rather just buy from a local place. Um, just, it seems like a lower carbon footprint and like, I'd rather keep those guys in business rather than Amazon. But anyway, so I, I found on Amazon that they, uh, they carried the Vibram shoes, um, and I didn't find a, a better deal really anywhere else. They were all about the same price everywhere else. So I ended up buying two pairs of them that are different sizes and they got free returns. But then as I was looking at those, I also stumbled across a couple of these other like obscure brands. One of them is called Witten, like W-H-I-T-I-N uh, on Amazon. And then one that is Oranger, I think it is like O-R-A-N-G-E-R, -E I believe is what it is. And uh, so both those were super cheap. I mean, they weren't five finger shoes. They were they're um, just minimalist, like low drop shoes. They're like they're big uh, details that they list in the title of of the item is like minimalist men's wide toe box, and then they have like the brand name, and then like maybe trail running or something in there. So I found like two different those two different companies, Witten and Oranger. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, that produce these um, these crazy minimalist shoes that are like 35 to 40 bucks a pair. And so I looked at, they got a bunch of different versions of them. So I looked at a couple of different versions of them and, and you know, again, kind of bought two sizes. I think those those ones, those ones were a little bit different sizing, but I bought two sizes of each. So I bought six pairs of shoes in all in all. Uh, which ended up being like 400 and some odd bucks through Amazon. But uh, so I'm going to send, um, I'm going to send obviously some of them back, whichever ones don't fit uh, or I don't like. And I, you know, I may even take, uh, I may even, you know, send the Vibrams back if I don't, if I don't wear them for running. I'm, I'm really curious. I, I have my doubts as to whether or not those are going to fit my feet, but we'll find out. So, yeah, this should be it. Should be really interesting to see how that works out. And then REI's return policy is pretty great. Um, I've actually returned some hiking boots there for full full refund value after I had already worn them several times, and they're aware of that. Um, and and so um, it's one of the benefits, I guess, of REI. So that last pair of waterproof shoes that I got from REI are the least comfortable of all the shoes that I have. And uh, I honestly don't think, that, you know, that, like I mentioned, their waterproof ability is, is kind of laughable. Um, so I think I might just return those if I decide that one of the shoes that I got are better running shoes. So um, so that would be good because those are pricey. Those are over 100 bucks at REI, so I could get some money back for those. Uh, yeah, so that'll be, that'll be really interesting to see several things, uh, whether or not any of these shoes actually fit well and are comfortable, and then how sore my feet are after I get done running in them. 
So, uh, and, and, you know, discovering these two new brands of shoes, if, if they're any good, that would be, that'd be pretty cool. Although I don't really like the idea of walking around every day in minimalist shoes, just because like when I'm walking, I walk heel to toe, you know, I, I put my heel down first, but when I'm running, um, I don't really want to run heel to toe in, in shoes that have no sole. And so in general, I like running on my toes anyway. Uh, you know, I run on the balls of my feet, just, you know, you take short steps so that your, your feet are below your knee. Um, but it also absorbs the impact for me, I think better than if I were to just roll from heel to toe. That's just not my style. It's never been my style to roll heel to toe. Um, so anyway, for, for walking around, I walk heel to toe, I think like most people do. Uh, and so I, I don't know that minimalist shoes are going to be the greatest for walking around, but, uh, you never know. I'll, I'll see what they're like when I get them and, uh, report back, I suppose. Um, yeah. So let's see what else is going on here. Oh, I know. I, uh, I installed K and N filters in my Tacoma. I haven't driven it yet since I installed them. So you're probably wondering, what do you mean? filters well so there's the cabin air filter and the uh uh engine air filter so funny story i got an air filter for christmas this last year from my dad a reusable k and air filter um that uh i found out at the time was the cabin air filter and i had put it in a box and forgotten about it all this time because i had no need to change the filter air uh, cabin air filter yet and so all this time i, I had kind of forgotten about it and then Josh Dewey was talking about how he was getting a K&N filter for his new F-150 that he bought. And Blevins, you know, giving him all the perks about it and, and talking a big game about it. And so then I was like, oh, man, I've got one of those. I should put it in, you know, thinking it was my engine air filter. You know, I'm going to get some performance gains and better mileage and that type of thing. And it's reusable, which is which is great. So you don't have to throw it away. Um, and so come to find out it was actually the cabin air filter that I had. Uh, so my dad had actually got me the cabin air filter instead of the engine air filter, because if you, because these are, these are oiled filters, kind of like the dirt bike. So, uh, on, on, on those oiled filters, you, you do run the risk of sucking some of that oil into your intake. And then, uh, I forget which sensor my dad was talking about that, uh, could get, uh, gummed up because of sucking in some of that oil. But anyway, that was the reason why he didn't get the engine air filter for me. And so I, I, you know, I, I've come to trust engineers. Um, maybe that's a bias of mine since I am one, but, uh, you know, I, I figure that the K and N folks have got it figured out and, uh, I didn't see any disclaimers that said like, you know, you need to have additional equipment to make sure that this doesn't happen. So what I did was I, you know, it comes pre-oiled, and so I pulled it, pulled the filter out of the bag and just kind of blotted it off a little bit with a clean rag just to make sure that there wasn't any excess on it and uh, stuck it in there. So we'll see what happens, see if I get any uh, any mileage gains with that. Right now, I think lifetime average for my truck is, is like 20 miles per gallon. The last trip, I got like 22, which was pretty good. Uh, I've got just about 22,000 miles on it now. Um so it's, uh, you know, it's about broken in, I'd say. And, uh, yeah, so that, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, yeah, what else is going on here? So I, I mentioned that we went riding last weekend, went riding at uh, Captain Jack, uh, did uh, 
trail called Pipeline and then up to the top of Mount Rosa, which I think is called like Nelson's Trail. Uh, and so that was good. You know, it's just rode with Max. And so Max and I are, are uh, kind of good speed uh, together because we don't, we don't go all that fast. We're not on the pipe like Joe. We, you know, uh, in all honesty, I like to keep the speeds low because it's more – it's more fun for me most of the time just to pick through things than to go super fast. And I, you know, I get kind of weirded out sometimes when I go fast. I'm, um, I like the challenge of trying to pick through things and, and, you know, it's kind of like the, the run your own race mentality where, where you just kind of slow down and, and try to try to ride within my limits rather than trying to push the limits and, and getting super sore super quickly and, and being just dead ass tired at the end of the ride versus, you know, kind of running at my own speed, having a good time, never really feeling like I'm risking anything and, and, uh, challenging myself along the way with some of the technical spots. So, um, so that was really good. We made it through the whole day, uh, without being too tired. Um, got most of that done. Uh, well, got that whole route done. That was good. Um, it's pretty, pretty warm up there too, but it was a good ride. Uh, and I think, uh, I think we're planning on going riding this weekend. So that'll be cool. And I've got, my in-laws are coming. My in-laws are going to be here for like two and a half weeks or, or something like that. Like a long time. I think they get here on a Friday and they leave on a Tuesday. So let's, okay. This is not two and a half weeks. I think that's, that's, just short of two weeks. So it's a week and a half. Um, it looks like a long time when I look at the calendar. But anyway, so they're coming. Um, I guess that's the week, the week, the Friday before July 4th, if I remember correctly. Or maybe it's before that. Let me check my calendar here. I think they're, I can't even remember when they're coming. So anyway, so they're going to come and then, uh, that's weird calendar's all weird right now uh yeah so they get here on the second and they don't leave until the 14th so it's almost two weeks almost two weeks that they're here um and so while they're here uh we're probably going to do a ride um or a couple of rides with my father-in-law and uh what else what am i gonna do i think uh Alyssa's grandparents are coming too for a few days so I'm, i think that's just over the weekend i think they get actually they don't arrive until like midnight or something or like 11 p.m on saturday night so i'm not sure when how long they're staying but so they'll be here for a little bit and my in-laws will be here and there's supposedly like a vacation being planned for um one of those weekends which is so that's like the start of when Alyssa goes on research which is when she'll have like a normal nine to five schedule where right where it'll be a, a change from where she is right now, which is like technically 12 hour shifts every day, six days a week, uh, most times, but sometimes she'll work like 12 days at a stretch and then have a weekend off or whatever. So, um, yeah, right now she has 12 hour shifts, but she ends up working like, I don't know, 14 to 16 hours, uh, some days. Um, it's very rare that she gets home early. So anyway, She's going to be on a normal schedule by that time, and we're all kind of just waiting to see what what that's all going to be like. Uh, so that'll be interesting and and weird to have, like, a wife for for two years, you know, while she's on research. You know, we'll be able to do, like, regular married people things. It'll be kind of strange. So, yeah, more to come on that. 
um, you know, we'll see what happens. So on on that note, um, you know, it's 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 gonna you know gonna be getting close to the time where uh, we start thinking about making a family, and uh, so I've been starting to think about you know if if there's a little one running around, what am I you know I'm not gonna be able to just take a whole day and go go for a ride very easily, right? So you know because that is the way that scenario is right now. Like I can't ride my dirt bike where I live. So I have to load it up into my truck and go someplace. And the closest place that's um, at all decent to ride really is, is about an hour away. Uh, and then, you know, the best places to ride are, are usually closer to two hours or more away. So uh, it's a whole day endeavor is what I mean to say by all that. So um, I've been looking into, you know, uh, what, what I could do to try and hone my skills. And I, you know, so I'm riding, you know, a full size dirt bike, you know, it's a, you know, just a standard enduro type dirt bike, but there's, uh, for those of you that don't know, there's, so between the level of say like a mountain bike, which is like a pedal bike and, uh, like an enduro bike is what's called a trials bike. Uh, um, and not like a trials pedal bike. They also have those, but a trials bike is a very stripped down, very lightweight, uh, motorized dirt bike, um, that there's, you know, it's good to practice specific skills. They're there for technical riding. And so like, I, I had been kind of thinking about that, wanting to try that. Um, you know, most of them, pretty much all of them, you know, they're all internal combustion engines, you know, so they, they make noise and they have exhaust and they take gas and, uh, there's very few of them around. Um, cause that's, that sport is just not very popular here. It's more of a European thing. And so, um, so I thought about that and, and it would be cool to have a trials bike that was, that was, uh, had an engine, but at the same time I'd be in the same predicament. I wouldn't be able to ride it locally because, you know, I don't have any land to speak of and, uh, the neighbors would probably get really annoyed and it's just not a good thing to be doing that around suburbia where I live. So, um, there's a company, there's actually one company that I found that makes like a legitimate competition level uh, trials bike that is electric. And it, they're based out of France, which is not my first choice. Um, I found a couple of other companies like Yamaha way back in 2018, put out an electric trials bike and even Gas Gas back in uh, around the same time, 2018 came out with an electric trials bike and not a word since then has been spoken of those things. So I don't know what's happening with that. Um, but one company actively sells them and, and they're, you know, they're making new models every year and they even have a clutch, which is ideal. Um, that's one of the things that I want in an electric trials bike is a clutch because I want to transfer the skills to, uh, my full size dirt bike. Uh, you know, cause that's the ultimate goal is, is, is to be better on my full size dirt bike. The trials is kind of like a, a skill builder. And so the benefit of it being electric is I can, I can fool around in the alley behind the house and not really be hurting anybody. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody would be able to hear it really. And I could just set up some basic obstacles in the alley there and just kind of fool around with it. And that would be awesome. So uh, I've been looking into that. Um, really, really interested in that. And I think that that is probably going to be my best option for, uh, for not only building skills, uh, while I'm not able to ride my dirt bike, uh, but also, being able to ride a dirt bike 
um, a, a form of a dirt bike when I'm not able to take a whole day and, and go and ride in the mountains with my full size bike. So it's a, it's a good way to, you know, just take a few minutes to go outside and practice some skills on an electric bike. You know, you don't have to start it up or anything like that. You just turn it on and, and go. So I'm, I'm super interested in that. I would really like to do that. Um, they're pretty pricey. I don't know that, uh, I could justify or even convince Alyssa to let me justify the purchase outright without some like substantial maybe saving between now and, and when I would maybe want to get one of these things or like some sort of a, uh, a contest winning. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm entered into a contest for uh, dirt bike channel, which is like the shirts that I wear all the time. If anybody knows me, they know I wear those all the time. Uh, so there's this guy on YouTube that I've been following for years. Uh, um, Kyle, Brotherson who runs dirt bike channel on YouTube and he does giveaways like every six months or so where he gives away a bunch of bikes. And so this year he's given away like two, two small board bikes, a 125 and a 254 stroke. Uh, the 125 is a two stroke and he's also given away an adventure bike. And so I always enter to win. And the way that you enter to win is you buy some of his merch, right? You buy a t-shirt, you buy a sweatshirt, you buy some of the parts that have dirt bike channel label on them or whatever. So I always buy something, you know, just to give myself an opportunity to win. And oftentimes, you know, he's got really good shirts. His shirts are super soft. I love them. And, and his riding socks and, and a whole bunch of stuff that is actually pretty useful. Um, so I don't mind purchasing from him. And also he puts out decent content. So uh, anyway, so I bought some stuff to, to enter the contest. And I, I always hope that I win. Um, but my, you know, I know that my chances are slim. But I really got my fingers crossed that I win because the third bike that he's given away is an adventure bike which is a, a ktm 1290 adventure 1290 s or something like that so it's a it's a it's a pretty highfalutin bike you know it's a it's, it's a pricey rig uh for adventure riding which is kind of like logging roads and off the beaten trail type of riding and 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 but it does freeway really well and so it would just be bitching uh, if, if I won the contest and got any one of the bikes, but if I got that one in particular, because it's worth the most, uh, and then I would, you know, I would love to, first of all, I would love to ride it. I would probably, uh, fly out to Utah and ride it back because it's, uh, I don't know, it'd probably be about an eight hour ride back or so, but that would be cool. Uh, and then once I got it back here, um, probably sell it. And then I would love to get that electric motion, electric trials bike that would be sweet but uh you know pipe dreams so we'll see what happens i don't know i've got i've also got all my rc stuff like my uh short course truck and my buggy and then i have like a mini short course truck um that i have literally not touched since we moved from milwaukee so it's been two years now that i haven't touched that stuff and i've been you know kind of debating whether or not to get rid of it ever since we moved here since i got a dirt bike and, uh, I think it's probably time, but you know, that, I think all that stuff, I, I have a lot of money into it, but all that stuff is, is not going to get me close to close to the price of the, one of these trials bikes, but it's, you know, it could get me close. And I think that's probably another, another, uh, thing that I need to undertake is, is piecing all that out, trying to figure out how to, how to sell it in a reasonable way. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to get top dollar, but, um, you know, probably something to 
to get rid of before it's not worth anything and somebody can get some good use out of it because it's good stuff. I bought good stuff. So, um, yeah, buy nice or buy twice. I, I try to live by that now, Blevins. So if you're listening, uh, that's a good lesson. <laughs> and it's not hard to convince me of that because I like nice things. So I am a great consumer. I've been trying not to consume so much lately, but I'm a great consumer. All right, folks. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're about 45 minutes in or, or so now. So um, I think I'm going to call it. And uh, I appreciate you listening. And so wherever you are, whatever you're up to, I hope you're having a good morning, good day, good evening, whatever it happens to be. And I will catch you on the next one. Be good. Be good.